how is everybody? <laughs> you guys are like. All right, so I have to admit, I'm just a little excited about talking about my favorite person. So um, I know we're all here to talk about Jesus, but I was just extremely excited to talk about him today. And there are two things that I love talking about when it comes to Jesus. And there are many, but two of my favorite. The first one being presence, his presence, and the second being healing. And they go together, yet they're very distinct, and I'm excited to talk about presence today. Yeah, we'll talk about healing a little bit, but I know Alexis mentions this quite a bit because I just talk about hosting his presence quite a bit, even in conversation. And I have asked the Lord today if he would just allow us to not have any distractions, to just almost, when we get done, go, wow, I don't even really know what happened other than hearing the truth. So I'm praying for that today, and let's just ask him. Let's just ask him again, and I'm going to go confirm it. Lord Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you for your presence in Nigeria today. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your constant presence, for your promise of never-ending presence. Thank you, Father, for your majesty, for your magnificence for your just greatness being the ultimate dad the ultimate father and leader of this heavenly family and I praise you and I thank you for the privilege of of you speaking through me today and I know you're going to do that and I just thank you for truth I know it's bubbling out and then I just want to hear what you have to say today myself and I praise you and I thank you for this time. May your words be true in your name. Amen. Okay. I'm going to have you turn a little bit today. Is that all right? Most of you have technology. I do not have a fancy iPad, so I'm going to use paper. But let, we're going to turn to quite a few things today, and I hope that maybe on your iPad or your phone you can highlight them. And whenever you are feeling lonely which is the opposite of why you feel you're going to feel at the end of the service. But when you feel lonely and you want to know about his presence, I hope you go back to some of these verses and let them comfort you and give you rest. All right, Exodus 33, 14. Exodus 33, 14. Actually, I might hold this just because I don't want it to be an issue. All right, Exodus 33, 14. The Lord replied to Moses, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. All right, that's all I'm going to talk about. That's all we need, actually. That is all we need. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And I mean it. Like, if we really grasp that, that's all we need to know that truth. And we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about that, but that's really all we need. So let's first talk about his voice, because if you don't know his voice, you won't know that he's next to you. Does that make any sense? So I'm going to use an example for those that are married, and I know a lot of you are young and not married yet, but I'm going to use it because you've watched marriages, okay? Those who are married, think about your husband or your wife as you were dating, actually probably when you first met. If you had been in a crowded room, and they have walked into the room, and by audible, by voice, they had called your name. You might recognize them. If you'd gone to school with them, or if you'd grown up with them, or whatever, you might recognize them. But those of us that have been married for a significant length of time, I guarantee you that right now, if this entire room, like we had the lunch a couple weeks ago, if Bryn walked in that door over there, and raised her voice just a little bit, and said, Jeff, I guarantee you, wherever I am, I wouldn't even have to look. Like I know her voice. That is what I'm talking about. And you might have had a best friend. It might not apply just to Mary, but you might have a best friend that could call you anywhere, in the mall, anywhere. And you don't even have to look at him. You go, oh my word. What are you doing here? Okay? That is what I'm talking about, about understanding his voice. That is how clear it becomes. That is how clear he wants it to be. And if he's your favorite person and the one that you talk to more than anybody else in the day, his voice will become that way. 
And I want you to know that because that is his intent for us in relationship. To know his voice like no other at any time, any place, when you know that he's calling your name. Does that make sense? Okay, so in that, there are many, many different aspects of his voice. How do you know it's his voice? How do you know it's his? Right? Well, sometimes the Lord speaks very firmly, and you might not know, is that you, Lord? Because I want to know what you're saying, but it sounds a little tough right now. So, let's go to John 6, 63. John 6, 63. And if we were all using the same translation, I'd say whoever gets there first, read it. But because I know what my notes say, I'm going to read it. All right, John 6, 63. Everybody there? All right. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you They are full of the Spirit and life. His words are full of Spirit and life. And then after that, the next verse, I can't help but go there. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. That's why he wants us to know his voice. Colossians 3.15. Let's turn there real quick. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When you know God's presence, you know peace. They are mutually inclusive of each other. When you know his voice, when you know his presence, you know peace. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. His word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. When you truly know who he is, you actually are bursting to talk about him. You're bursting to express it to him. You ever had something you were really excited about and you literally couldn't sleep because you wanted to tell somebody about it or you wanted to get to the location that you were going to have the event? That's what he's talking about. You know how I always say I'm kind of known for this now. Jesus was excited for you to wake up this morning. I say that all the time. That's how much he loves you. He was literally sitting next to your bed waiting for you to get up this morning because he is excited about being in a relationship with you. And it was never meant, he was never meant to be by himself in this vast universe and just get a kick out of us or, you know, we're, we're here for a hobby or we're here to hang out every now and then. He loves when you're up. And yes, he talks to you in your sleep and many of you have amazing dreams. But he loves to talk to you. And he wants your excitement and your love for him to be so much that it's like a fire shut up in your bones. You're weary of holding it. Indeed, you can't. All right? Now, what's amazing is that many of us Many, many, many of us ask him for direction and instruction in life without knowing his voice. So there are times when he's speaking and you don't even know it because you don't know his voice. That's why it's so important to be in relationship with him and to pursue him with diligence because you need to know his voice in order to hear his instruction and his guidance in your life. There are so many Christians that are frustrated because they're like, I don't hear from him. I, I, don't, I don't hear anything from him. They need to dive into relationship because once you're in relationship, you can't help but hear from him. That's what relationship is. If you're in relationship with a friend and you spend time, more time and more time and more time together, do you get to know each other better? Do you understand each other? Hopefully, that's the purpose of that relationship, right? That's what he wants. So when we cry out, many times out of desperation, and in a very, very low spot. Lord, please tell me what's going on. There's so many things that are blocking us from relationship with him that we don't actually hear the instruction or the direction at that time. And I know we want to, right? We absolutely want to. All right. The sad reality is that the Holy Spirit 
should not rest, does not rest upon every believer. He is in me for my sake, but he rests on me for yours. That's an amazing, amazing reality. He is in me for my sake, but he rests upon me for yours. Isn't that that amazing? If you think about that, when the Holy Spirit rests upon a person without withdrawing, he has been made welcome in a most honorable way. Now that is what I'm talking about when I talk about, or we talk about hosting his presence. I was thinking, even while we were singing, hosting is not something that you actually hear talked about a lot. I know when I was younger, and I'm not that old, but when I was younger, it was a big deal if somebody came over to your house for a dinner. Like a couple families came over for a dinner. And Alexis is actually really good at this. <clears throat> She's an amazing host at her house. Wouldn't you all agree? Yes. Colin, Ruth, Marty, they're amazing hosts at their house. That means that they're glad you're here, and they will do about anything for you while you're here. That's hosting it, right? Think about that in relation to the Holy Spirit in your life, okay? Yielded people have the privilege of caring or hosting God into life's situations. You invite him into every one of life's situation alongside of you, not instead of you, alongside of you. This took me such a long time to understand that he actually wants to work through us. Like, I just didn't feel worthy of that. Like, I I really, it took years and years and years And I never, ever felt worthy of him working through me. So, no, no, just you do it. (laughs) You do it. You don't need me. Like, you really don't need me. He wants me. He wants me involved. He doesn't want to do it for me. And that's the amazing thing about his death on the cross. Jesus died as us, not for us. He died as us. And if you can grasp that, it, it breaks you. Because you go, why? You know, I didn't deserve that. Why? Why did you do that? But he gives us a million reasons on why he did it, right? And we can spend the rest of our lifetime trying to understand that. And this is why, and Greg speaks about this as well, this is why when you understand how precious his presence is in and around and on you, that you don't grieve him. And we talk about grieving the Holy Spirit, doing things that would grieve him. That's not hosting him in a welcoming and honorable way, right? Ephesians 4.30, I won't go there, but Ephesians 4.30 is do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. The other thing that we talk about often is do not quench the Spirit, 1 Thessalonians 5.19. That means don't stop the flow of the Holy Spirit. Don't put it out. Don't extinguish his presence, which is very, very easy to do. When you invite other things in that aren't of him, he never pushes himself to the front row. Ever. So a matter of honoring and hosting somebody is making sure that their position is priority. Whatever whatever it be in. Alright? So let's talk a little bit about hosting his presence, a little bit more about hosting his presence. Faith doesn't come from the mind, it comes from the heart. Right? That's why there are a lot of people, Brennan and I were talking about this uh, over the weekend, there are a lot of people that intellectually know about God. They know scripture, they can quote it right, left, and whatever. But they don't know him in relationship. That is intellectual knowledge versus the heart. Right? The heart. And what what you find is that if intellectual knowledge is all that you're thinking through and viewing God through, it, it eliminates your heart experience. And what you find is, you'll find many, many intellectually sound doctrinal people will not be willing to talk about the experience of the Holy Spirit or experiencing His presence in their life. Because you really can't put, you can't put a lot with that to prove that just five minutes ago the presence of the Holy Spirit was right on me and I could feel it and I was talking to Him. You can't put that on paper. Not possible, right? So God wants us to have the knowledge of His Word and the heart knowledge, the faith experience of his presence. And you can try to have one without the other. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I know a lot of intellectually sound, doctrinal, Bible-believing people 
that have no idea what it means to know the presence or speak with the Holy Spirit, other than just praying to him, you know, in prayer, but they don't hear anything back, right? Do you want to live like that? I don't want a one-sided relationship. I did that for so many years where I just gave and gave and gave, and then I'm like, why am I doing this? Oh, I checked off a couple boxes of this is where I'm supposed to be to be a good Christian. No, he wants to know you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to live right next to you. He wants to be in your presence. That sounds crazy. I want to be in his presence, but he wants to be in my presence. As crazy as that sounds. So learning to host the presence of God is one of the biggest challenges of the Christian life and one of the biggest responsibilities. But it is the absolute most rewarding, blessed way to live that you will ever find. He longs to raise people up who carry the good news in power in the Holy Spirit. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 8. 2 Corinthians 3, 7 through 8. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, what's that, Ten Commandments, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, the old covenant, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Key word? Glory? All right. I thought somebody would yell it out. So... The, when we are out and about in the mall, when we are at Wawa, which I use a lot because a lot of us are there, when we're getting gas, when we're doing whatever, guess what the unbeliever, unbeliever needs? You might say, oh, they need some money. They might. They might need you to be kind to them. Okay, God's goodness. They need God's goodness. Yep. But that's not what they really need. It would last a little bit for them and they feel good about themselves. But guess what they need? His presence. Because they have the choice of having his presence with them at every moment of every day. Every life situation. Every life situation. And that's a constant. So once they know him and they're in a relationship, they'll never be the same. Right? So we can give them something that satiates their their need or their desire for a moment. And and that's what a lot, and it makes me sad to say this, but that's what a lot of ministries do. They fill a little void on Sunday morning. But when they leave... They go right back into a life of not knowing what it's like to live in his presence. Not just to be in his presence for a service or to create an atmosphere during the service where he's invited and he's there, but you walk out and you are a different person. You live a different way. You don't understand how, how can I have what I had there in service in my office or back in my home? So let's talk about something that I... I get really excited about. When you understand hosting his presence, actually, I'm going to do this real quick. Isaac, come here just for a second. All right, so stand right next to me here. Okay. <laughs> if, I, if Isaac hung out with me, let's say for the next six months, all right? Maybe he was just going to intern with me to learn about real estate. So he's with me every day. Every minute of every day, except when we're, we're sleeping, you know? He goes home, but he meets me at the next morning, okay? But every time you see me for a six-month period, meetings, gas station, my car, grocery store, any place we can think of, Isaac's with me. Maybe we're not standing this close, but he's with me the entire time. What do I become known as being or doing? A mentor, hanging out, we're always together, right? But I actually, after a while, will actually become known as Jeff, the guy with Isaac next to him with the cool hair. You remember the guy you see him with all the time? That's Jeff. Yeah, Jeff Sellers. That's the guy I'm talking about. He, he's with Isaac. Isaac's learning from him, training from him, doing all this stuff. I become known for the presence of Isaac with me. But guess what I become known for in Isaac's circles? 
when he goes, talks to his parents, his relatives, his friends, not around me, he goes, hey, do you know Jeff Sellers, the guy that I'm hanging with for six months to learn such and such? Yeah, that, him. That's who I'm with. That's what I'm doing right now. He becomes known for the presence. I become known for his presence. Awesome. Thank you. Guess what? The Holy Spirit wants to become known because of being with you. All the time. All the time. So when you're not with him, and this is something, this is a pet peeve of mine, and my family has heard it, and I don't think I've said it in public yet, but, and I believe God's all in and through this with me. So this might shock you at first, because you go, how's that possible? But I really honestly believe this with everything in me. If you understand his presence, and you host him every minute of every day, and yes, we are not perfect. I'm not saying you can be perfect. But if your goal waking up in the morning is, I know you're here, Lord. I need your help. I'm not planning my day. I have things that I need to accomplish that you've set up a couple days previously. But I want you to guide my entire day. When you do that, you will not, you will not battle the flesh. Now think about that for a second. Is that possible? Not in ourselves. Because that flesh is still a choice. It's still a choice. But when you have a transformed mind, when God transforms your mind, and you no longer think like Jenna, you no longer think like Jeff, you no longer think like Casey, that you were who you were before you were saved and transformed into a new creature, not a restored, revised, reconditioned creature, a new creature. You do not have to battle the flesh. It's a choice every time that you give it authority. And if you're focused on the Isaac, the Holy Spirit that's with you every minute of every day, you don't have, you don't, you don't even want to choose what you used to choose. He gives you new purpose. He keeps you accountable. He talks to you in your right ear. You start to pull away, pulled by something that you shouldn't be listening to anyway. And he goes... Hey, hey, we, we hang out all the time. That right there, not good. You know what? You're right. I didn't see that. Thank you. It's not that you won't have these conversations. It's that, it's that the flesh, the battling of the flesh, will become less and less and less and less of a pull to you. So when the, when the Word says that you can live in complete peace and complete rest, it's actually possible. It's actually possible. And you know what gets people to get away from his presence? Uh, forget those who don't even understand his presence, but those, because we're opening up a whole new world to people, you know what pulls people away from his presence? Sickness. How do you think about your personal relationship with God when you're pulled 18 different directions from hospitals, doctors, surgeries, chemotherapy, whatever? Do you understand that? That pulls anybody in a different direction, right? But what he says is, hang on to me during that entire time. At your lowest points, I will become the closest. If you let me. If you choose every time to do that. And there will be times where you're so blown away by something that you'll be away from the Holy Spirit's presence, Jesus' presence. Like this, I'm not just talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's with us all the time. Right? When we got saved, he lives inside of us. But there's a difference between being in us and resting on us. There's a big difference. It's like your bank account. You could have a bank account with $100,000 in it. That's yours, has your name on it. You don't know anything about it. You're never going to use that 100000 and it's not going to help you, ever. Right? There are a lot of people that don't know what's in their account, so they can't know what they can possess. They have no idea what's in their account. So possession and what's in your account are completely different. So I got a little distracted there, but what I, was, what I wanted to say was when somebody understands how to host, their life becomes more peaceful. Their life becomes more at rest because it's not about them doing anything. It's about them about to step doing something that they've normally always done themselves. And then they go, oh, okay, what do you want me to do? All right. And once you know his voice, it's literally, I, I'm telling you, it's literally, it can be in seconds. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's hours, days, 
depending on what you're asking them. But it literally can be in seconds. And that's what he wants. He wants you to hear him above everything else. Have you seen or read the stories of way back when people used to be martyred for Christ or they used to be in front of a firing squad or they used to be decapitated or whatever. I know those are all gruesome, but they happened. They really happened. You know why those people could walk up peacefully to that? Because they hosted his presence. They were with him every minute of every day and they went, Lord, I don't see a way out of this, but this must be something in your plan. And I only want you. So fear didn't rise up. Anxiety didn't rise up. Saying, I don't believe in God anymore. I need to get out of this. Didn't, didn't happen. You know, and I know Peter. Peter denied the Lord three times. But who, what was he looking at? He was looking at his heart, right? And he knew that in the moment, emotion set in. And he said, oh my gosh, I can't tell him I'm part of, part of that squad. But guess what? He asked forgiveness. The Lord knew he was going to do it ahead of time. And he knows us. He knows our hearts. He can... Oh, I could just go on for that an hour on that one. But anyway. <laughs> so here's something that I had to really ponder over for a little bit. People often, unknowingly, turn away from hosting the presence of the Lord to preserve their sense of control. Do you know anybody like that? And I dare say there's many of us in the room that that's, that that's been a struggle for. Do you realize that when you really host the Lord's presence and you want to hear his answer in everything, you don't control anything? Like, I mean nothing. Honestly. I believe he wants us in relationship to the point where we don't control the way we drive to some location. Like, because if he knows there's an accident or there's going to be something, he will, he will redirect you just like a GPS. If you hear his voice. You will. He will. It's the little stuff. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You know? It just, it just blows me away. And, uh, and, and just control. Letting up control is getting closer to him because it's something that's impeding you from, from relationship. This is one that those that are looking for work and those that, are, those that are asking God for a career change, this is one that just take it to the Lord because this is, uh, this is an amazing thing to think about. God is not responsible for our potential. We are. He's already given us unbelievable authority in the Spirit. He's given us unbelievable talents, unbelievable gifts, unbelievable everything. He's not responsible for our potential. We are. Now that doesn't mean take back control. That is not what it means. It means not to sit still. That's all it means. It means walk and listen to him because he's right here if, you, if you're hosting his presence. Listen to him because your potential is vast. There's no end to it. He wants you to see and to take advantage of every bit of your potential, but it's our choice. Just like hosting his presence is our choice. Just like saying no to the flesh, to the wrong things that Satan wants us to do. Guess what? The beautiful thing about the relationship with God is that Satan gets ticked off the closer you are with, with Jesus. He will move on. He will move on. If he has been pummeling you and pummeling you and pummeling you, he will move on to harass somebody else. Will he ever totally let you go? No. Not until he's gone. But he gets sick and tired of those that are you know, if he keeps coming back and finding you in, his, in the Word, or he keeps coming back and Isaac's witnessing to somebody at his work, or Brianna's in the car praying for somebody that she just saw walk by with a, you know, with a cast on, and she's not even out with him, she's just praying in her car. Satan's like, oh my word. Like, he goes on to somebody, he's going on to somebody that is wide open to giving him authority to do so. Like, it's that simple. It's that simple. I know it's complicated too, but it's simple. Like, just love him and want him nearby. Now, here are some results of hosting his presence. Turn, if you would, to Acts 5.15. As you know, because I love healing so much, this is, this is uh, one of my favorites. Talking about Paul's shadow. All right. Acts 5.15. As a result, uh, we go a little far. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. 
No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them, I love that word, all of them were healed. So, Paul was known for his presence. Whose presence? God's presence. He was known before he got to the town. This wasn't something they just announced that day. Bring your sick, bring anybody that's got an infirmity, lay them on the road. Well, how do you do it? No, no, they knew it. Everywhere he went, just like Jesus. There are verses that I have read about people just scrambling to touch Jesus' cloak. Mark 6, 56 is a great verse where all they were trying to do was get close enough to, ch- to, to touch his cloak, to be healed. That's because he was known to carry his father's presence. Is it starting to make a little more sense now? We say presence so often, and I just want you to understand what is meant by that. Because I think we can get caught up in Christian terms and not truly understand what it means. But it's such a simple concept. If I want to be a friend of Bill's, I hang out with them. If Brianna and Deborah want to know more about each other, they hang out with each other. That's purely and simply what presence is talking about. This is even cooler, and a lot of people, like I grew up with, um, they have a hard time with this one. But in Acts uh, 19.11, it talks about God performing extraordinary miracles at the hand of Paul. He had ordinary miracles and extraordinary miracles. And those involved pieces of Paul's clothing that had been taken or sent to the sick. A piece of his clothing held so much of the Lord's presence that it healed people when, they, when, it, when it got to them. How many of you would like that supernatural healing to be going on right now? I will raise my hand very, very, very high on that one. Because that is what he wants. That is what he wants. I believe we had a tremendous dive in faith for the supernatural over the last centuries. And that is what he wants to do in and through all of us. Psalm 1611, in his presence is fullness of joy. And this is how, this is how it can change. And I know that the praise team has probably seen this in their worship time. So in Psalm 1611, it says, in his presence is fullness of joy. One moment, we are rejoicing with arms held high. The next moment, heads are bowed low. Not because someone suggested it as an appropriate response for that moment but because the fear of God has filled the room. That's a fear of his magnificence, right? At times, you ever been worshiping where you just didn't even feel like you could hold your head up or you couldn't keep the tears back? There's an ominence in that, and I don't mean that as a negative term. It's just, wow, it's bigger than I can even put into words or express in thought. I wanted to emphasize something that, that God taught me. Whenever I heard the word Holy Spirit, the two words Holy Spirit, I used to think of that as a spirit. I think I used to tie it to Casper the Ghost when I was little on TV, and I used to tie it to something that you'd see a, a movie where you'd hear the and you'd see a white sheet floating and things like that, and I'm like, so I never pictured the Holy Spirit to be a person for a very, very, very long time. But guess what? He's a person. He's a person. We're not just talking about hosting a spirit. He is the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of us. He's a person. Maybe that help you. That, that'll help you to love him more like a person. He longs for partnership. He loves to love. He longs for fellowship. And you know what? As much as I'm an optimistic, unbelievably optimistic person, there's a cost to relationship. There's a cost. There's a vulnerability to relationship with him that he requires. When I talked about giving up control, I mean, I mean, I mean everything. Like not holding on to anything. 
And I know Greg's talked about that in the last few months, especially going up to those going to Nigeria, because he just wanted us to be emptied. He wanted the Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus to be able to speak to us in a way that he's never spoken to us before, because it's not common for a group of 50 people to be empty of themselves and to be give up total control. It's not common, and that's what God wants from us. So I'm going to go back a little bit <clears throat> to the beginning of the Word and talk about Adam and Eve, because this is what really clarifies some things for me. <clears throat> I told you a few minutes ago that I never felt worthy of him wanting to be a part of my life or in my presence. Like, it just was like, really just do what you do, because I love what you do. And this is what he showed me. Adam and Eve were the first human beings, as we all know. But they also are the only created being, we are the only created beings, made in the likeness of God. Nothing else has been made in God's likeness. We are the only ones. When he walked with Adam in the cool of the evening in the Garden of Eden, and then when he made Eve and he walked with both of them in the cool of the evening, guess what? I used to think, oh, he did that because he was teaching them. He was mentoring them. He probably was. But guess why he was doing it? Because he loved being with them. He, it is almost impossible for me to think that God was lonely before Adam and Eve. But in a way, that's how much his love is towards us. He wants us to know that he walked in the garden because he wanted to be with them. He wanted to hear about Adam naming the animals and Eve. Are you getting your input in that as well? What's going on? What's happening? And he's like, oh yeah, I'm letting her. We're sharing. And, and he wants to talk to us. Like, about the smallest things. Like, honestly. Honestly. Think of them that way. So, not only did he want to walk with them, but he was, we could go this way for a long time, but he was severely disappointed at their disobedience. Like, because that wasn't just, you just wrecked your lives for a very, very long period of time. You just ruined our relationship. Like, the love that I feel for you and the love that you had for me wasn't that more valuable than giving that up? Like, that's what he asks of us now. Isn't my love and relationship with you more precious than to take that action or to speak that to somebody else or to react that way? Isn't this more precious? It should be. And once it is, we won't do those things. Like, you won't even battle them. Because all of a sudden, when you're about to react, he goes, ah, ah. You know better. I've been talking. We've been talking about this. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. I'm going to use my dad as an example, and he'll probably be listening to this, but I, it's a beautiful thing. It's a great testimony. I remember when my dad didn't really talk about hearing the, the voice of the Lord. He lives in Florida, and I just didn't really hear him talk about growing up, hearing the voice of the Lord. Well, we've been praying together now for over a year, every Sunday night, and I just see some transformation in my dad because of the Lord. And now, every now and then, I would hear him say, well, I believe the Holy Spirit told me this, or I believe the Holy Spirit told me this. And the other day, he, on a Sunday night, he told me that he was getting ready on a Saturday morning to do some things on a task list. And the Holy Spirit told him, don't go there to that store, because they're out of that, and you'll waste time. <laughs> and he goes, ah, 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 and he went. <laughs> That night, he testified to me, wow, I should have listened to the Holy Spirit this morning. He told me not to go to a store and buy this because they were out of it and waste time. And that's exactly what I did. I'm like, yeah. And I didn't even react big in that. I felt it inside, but I didn't react big to him because I just wanted to know everything is precious in our relationship. It doesn't matter if you're going to get a spark plug you know, at, at the auto parts store. He just wants the best for you. And I love that about him. All right, so Adam and Eve, they disobeyed him. Guess what? They gave up at that time. Now, he redeemed it. He restored this, right? After years and years and years of pain and his pain on the cross. But they gave up the keys to work with him on managing, overseeing, and working through setting up the creation and the universe and all that God had planned. They handed those keys, the keys. God God had handed them to them and said, I entrust you with these. Let's be in relationship together. I will be in presence. 
I'll be next to you at all times and do all of these things with you. All I need you to do is listen to me, talk to me, let's be in a relationship together. Dumb snake comes up to talk to, to Eve. Eve goes, well, yeah, I want power. Well, I didn't know that I could just eat an apple and then have the world. Like, I, what in the world? I had no idea. Now, I do not understand how you can put that up against what you have with the Lord and choose that. Still don't understand that, but she did. So all of a sudden, they took those keys, right? The dominion of the earth that God had given them. And they went, okay, Satan. And they handed them to him. Not until Jesus died on the cross did man get that back. Does that make sense? So do you see how much they gave up out of not staying in the presence with him all the time? I want to emphasize something here. I never realized how much God created us, created us to be co-laborers with him. Not to just listen to what he says and every now and then act like a servant, right? He says, you're no longer servants, right? He says that very clearly in his word, you're no longer servants. He literally wants to run everything with us. It's hard to comprehend, but please try to, because that is what's going to show you how much he loves you and how much he wants you to be in his presence. He literally created us to expose evil, expose Satan, and take care of him. To create good, to spread goodness, and to show his love to other people. And he wants us to do it with him. He will never do it by himself. Never. It took me years. Please don't let it take years for you to realize this. Because it will transform your life once you realize how to be in his presence. And how to host him every minute of every day. Adam and Eve restored, yes, their family lineage and their genealogy and all of that was completely skewed by their decisions. But we have an amazing Lord that came, died, and rose again to redeem that dominion over the earth. Satan's only able to steal, kill, and destroy through agreement. Okay? One of the... If you think about this... Well, turn to this verse. Matthew 28... 18 and 19. Matthew 28, 18 and 19. And I have a feeling some of these verses are probably Jim's top ones when you're a preacher as long as he's been a preacher. Matthew 28, 18 through 19. Everybody there? Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, sorry, he's talking to his disciples here. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. First part of that verse. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given, and we can put back to me. Okay? So if he has all the authority, what does Satan have? What does Satan have? He has none. Until. Because we're co-laborers with Christ, right? We share in that authority over heaven and earth. I, it still blows my mind. Every time I actually speak it, it blows my mind that he wants us to be in that position. So guess what? Satan only has power when we give him power. If you stay in authority with Jesus, in his presence, all the time, you will not give Satan authority. And that's the only way that he has power, is the authority. Now, we talk about Nigeria a lot. Like we were praying over witchcraft last night in Nigeria and this morning. Guess what? Nobody in our group gave him authority. Right? So they're battling outside authority from things that are happening around them in Nigeria and things that were in place before they got there that we've been sent over there to break and to take care of. Because light scatters darkness. Light's greater than darkness. 400 other reasons why he's greater than anything over there. So do you see how that authority works? We can be sitting in all of God's authority and there will be people that give authority to Satan to work against us. So we will constantly be in a battle. But whose side do you want to be on? 
like in a battle like this? Whose side do you want to be on? All right, so we're going to talk about Moses a little bit. Moses was probably one of the greatest examples of hosting God's presence in the Bible. Besides the face, that is, besides the fact that his face was shining after he saw him, and we're going to talk about that just a little bit. So let me turn to that real quick. I took some good notes on that. Okay, Exodus 33:19. We were at 33:14 to start out. That was the first verse about his presence and peace. Let's go to Exodus 33:19. When I was studying this the other day, did anybody know that when when Moses was uh, going up against Pharaoh, he was 80 years old? Yeah. Yep. I, I don't know why that never hit me, but I'm sitting there thinking he's this young buck and he's going at it with the Pharaoh, but he was no young buck, that's for sure. Same with Daniel, he was like 83. It's, yeah, they just huck him into the lion's den. All right. Ah, oh, man, I love this interaction with them. Okay, so here's Moses. Moses said to the Lord, uh, well, I'm starting in 12, sorry. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. I just hear God say, well, you can do it yourself. But he did. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. <laughs> it's just like, seriously, <laughs> like this is back and forth, and only Moses could have this conversation with him because they were so close, right? The Lord replied, which we read before, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. That should be your prayer in the morning. If I can't live this day without your presence, Lord, I don't want to live it. Like, I don't even want to interact in this world without you. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Okay, let's put this in context of Nigeria. How will anyone in McCurdy know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us there? What else in Nigeria will distinguish all of us, all your people, from all the other people on the face of the earth? Like, that's what he's asked us to ask him. Is like, I don't want to do anything if it's not with you. And the Lord said to, the Mo to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. He knows all of us by name, but he was so close to Moses. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Favorite part of this passage. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me. This breaks me up. Man, I just, can you imagine being in this spot? There is a place near me where you can stand in a rock, the cleft of a rock, for protection. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Can you imagine that? I, I can't tell you more of a time that I'd like to be sitting next to a rock than that moment. Like, he says, I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. I love you. You're one of my kids, but you can't even see me to this amount of glory that you're going to see. So he covers him with his hand as he walks by and then lets go and lets him see the back. And he comes off the mountain glowing where the people see him glowing. All the people that he's with, the Israelites, see him glowing because of a brief moment of God passing by him. Yeah, I know I've probably said a hundred times already since we've been talking that this is one of my favorite things. But think about this. Think about this. This was Old Testament, Old Covenant. This was before the Holy Spirit resided in, in his people, right? This is before all of that. Like, if his glory and his presence was that vast and that powerful when he couldn't, he had to turn into a rock, we carry that now. Like we carry the Holy Spirit. We carry that glory. 
We carry that magnificence in us every day. And if we don't host him, it's unused. It's unused. There are so many Christian churches that have no idea what they carry. None. That's how powerful it was. And we can interact and talk with him and carry him and go into a meeting and pray the Holy Spirit to rest on the meeting, to rest on a couple that just lost their child, a, a wife who just lost her husband. That presence that Moses couldn't look at, we have complete access and we carry it every single day, every single moment of every day. Do you see why no one and no place should ever be the same after you're there? I mean, we kid about Wawa all the time. Wawa should be different when you walk out. And I'm not saying because you said something, unless he tells you to. I mean, his presence on you in Wawa should change the atmosphere in Wawa. You don't have to do anything unless he tells you to. He might, but he might have you just walk in there and while you're standing waiting for your food in front of the counter, he goes, hey, pray for that lady in the orange coat. She just went through something bad. Might not even be praying with her. He just wants to talk to you. He just wants you to hear his voice because he will not do everything himself. If you, Brianna, did not walk into that store at that time, that person wouldn't have been prayed for. Possibly. Like that's how much reverence and awe we should have every minute that we hear from him. And how we should jump at the, at the, at the moment. Not jump because we're fearful of him. Jump because of the privilege of being able to do something that he's about to ask us to do. I hope that makes sense. So one thing that we have to be really careful of is pride. When you start to hear the Lord's voice and you start hearing it ahead of things and ahead of time, Satan is working nonstop trying to get you to think that that's you and that's a gifting that you have. No, it's always Jesus, right? And one thing I would caution among many other things but that we've talked about, but I would just caution about trying to wear, trying to be somebody else and trying to use and say, hey, I, I'm going to use somebody else's gifts because he has a specific gifting for each one of us. He has a specific purpose, a specific plan for each one of us. And if we look at somebody else and what God's working through their life and like, oh, I want to do exactly that. Well, you can want that, but talk to God about it. Talk to Jesus about it. Don't try to live through somebody else. Have you, have you seen that before? There are many, many stories on parents that live through their kids who never did certain sports but always wanted to, so they live their dream through their kids. That's kind of what I'm talking about. In other words, God wants a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. He doesn't want you to live through somebody else's experience with him. Does that make sense? It just doesn't, doesn't happen that way. Okay? All right, so... There's so much. Oh, man. And we just said this, but Moses' life and hosting God's presence was the pinnacle of the Old Covenant. But when Jesus died, he fulfilled the requirements of the Old Covenant. And we love this word, but he ignited the New Covenant. He ignited it. He did. He just lit it right then. And we live in that New Covenant. Not that a lot still doesn't apply, but um, it's just beautiful. So in 1 Corinthians 11.25, we read this one a lot when we do communion. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it and remember to me. The key word there is new covenant, right? Before, there was one day, the day of atonement, once a year where the priest could come in in the old covenant and ask forgiveness for the sins. We can do it every five minutes if we wanted to. Like, we don't want to because we don't want to sin. But that's the freedom that we have, right? We have direct contact with the Holy Spirit because of the blood. Direct contact with Jesus. Direct contact with the Father. His blood allows us into his presence. I'm going to go back for one second and talk about worship. I had this in the middle and I, God just said to me this morning, he wanted me to put it on here. So, hosting his presence must involve worship, okay? Now, when I say that, we usually think of what we just did about a half an hour ago. 
But that's just one act of worship. Singing is one act of worship, right? It's an act of worship. But true worship comes from your heart. It, it is in your heart before you get here. Hopefully it's in your heart when you leave. It's in your heart at work. It's in your heart at home. It's when you're getting ready in the morning. Worship, the Father wants worship constantly. Because that's part of presence. That's part of hosting his presence, is worshiping. And it's something that we can get, we can segment into, we only do this when we go to church. Well, guess what? There are a lot of people that only worship when they go to church. But that's not what he wants. Because it's not just for one specific time. See, when we come to church and worship, it should be an expression of what we've been doing for the last 47 hours by ourselves. Now we're going to do it together. And the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit say all the time, they love to hear the combined voices of his children. Right? So it's nothing different than what you're doing on your own. It's just we're gathered together and we're doing it out loud. And we sing probably louder here than we do by ourselves. But maybe not. Maybe some of you guys sing out loud at home. So true worship involves your whole being. It is physical. And I felt this was important because of the tie-in with the hosting his presence. It's physical. It's emotional. It's spiritual. It's intellectual. And it's financial. Financial. Why'd you throw that one in? Well, because it very much is. Brenda and I have said, and she's mentioned in her blogs a couple times, every decision of your day is spiritual. Every decision is spiritual. We should be in a constant state of worship. The stewardship of money is worship. It's not your money. It's his. So listen to him on what he wants to do with it through you. Like, so many times I used to be like, all right, God, I'm going to make this purchase or we're going to invest in this house. And I just ask that you be part of this decision. No, he wanted to be part of the decision before it was made. Right. He wants to be a part of the. That's why he gave it to you, because he will not. Not that he won't ever, but he doesn't want to use his money directly. He wants to go through us. He wants to bless our lives. He wants to bless other people's lives through us. He wants relationships to grow because of money. Stewardship of time is worship. Time, as we all know, we feel like we have very little of it. But stewardship of time is worship. Like, I hope you understand that worship is so much more than just singing. It's beautiful in singing, but it's constant. It's every day. And that's what he wants from us as we host his presence. So, Hebrews eleven six. He who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm ending with those three words. Diligently seek him. Lord Jesus, I thank you so, so much for the privilege of hosting your presence. Lord, I, I, t I say this with everything in me. I don't want to step out of your presence. I don't want to be out of your presence for one minute. I've lived there for decades. And I don't ever want to go back. Lord, I want to think purely. I, want, I don't want to battle the flesh. I want to be so engaged with you that I don't even give two cents, two minutes to battling the flesh. Because if I'm battling the flesh, then I'm not fully engaged with you. That's what it comes down to. And I pray that over all of these people that I love. All the people in Nigeria. Lord, if we learn how to fully host your presence, we will be unstoppable for you. And I already know that you've started that. I already know that many of us are growing and growing and growing in learning how to host your presence. But God, let us realize that it's the simple things. It's not just those that seem highly complicated and that we really need to sit down and think about for an hour. It's the simple things. It's deciding whether or not we're going to that store after you've told us that we didn't need to. It's whether or not we're going to say something to a good friend of ours that you've put on our heart that they're struggling with that you don't want to be embarrassed. We don't want to be embarrassed saying, but we know it's the right thing to say. It goes both ways. There's goodness and there's also instruction. 
I used this example a couple weeks ago, Lord, but you let me hear a podcast where someone referred to, I think it was Bill Johnson, referred to a dove being on my shoulder representing the Holy Spirit. And would my life and my actions and my activity change to keep the dove there so as not to disrupt him and make him fly away? That's how I want to live. That's how I want to live. So thank you, God, for your words. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for your love. And thank you for your provision. It's all yours. And it's all included in what we talked about this morning. God, this was a fraction of what you've put on my heart for you when it comes to your presence. So God, I just ask that you would take your words and spread them to the hearts and the ears that needed it this morning because I know you wanted it spoken. So I love you, Lord, and I trust you and your precious name. Amen. Amen. Anything else? Any announcements? Any? Yeah. Let's talk about after. Um.